Or hey church, come on, let's go ahead and stand together. Feel free to put your hands together just like that. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Let's lift our voices. Let's worship. Come on. I was buried beneath my shame.
Oh
Psalm 116 says this, for you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. But what shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? I will offer to the Lord the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. New Life Friday night. Even if you are afflicted, even if you are speaking, all mankind are liars. Even if you came into this service with despair, depression, devastation. I know some of you had events that happened today that made it almost impossible for you to walk into the room. But here you are in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of God's people. And there is something to be said about offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. And here in this offering moment, yes, you can give financially if you are so inclined. But really what I want us to do is to offer our thanksgiving to the Lord as a sacrifice. And that is how we pay our vows in the presence of all of God's people. So I'm going to pray, but what I want y'all to do is kind of reset yourselves and pay attention to what the Lord is doing in the room. I want you to reset yourselves and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. So let's pray. God, thank you for this beautiful Friday night. God, thank you that we can believe even while we also say we are afflicted, that we can be in this room and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, even if we are saying all mankind are liars. Because God, at the end of the day, what can we render to you for all of your benefits toward us? God, thank you for the benefits toward us. And Lord, as we worship you, God, as you are glorified, as you are magnified, as you are honored, as you are exalted. God, I thank you that your name is the one that is higher. Your name is the one that is greater. And God, I thank you that all of our troubles will be washed away through the power of your name. Thank you, God, for who you are. We honor you on this Friday night in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to worship as we give.
Maybe, maybe let's get ready to go right back into that. So this week we've had the 24-7 prayer national conference here in this room all week. The presence of the Lord has been absolutely thick. You could cut it with a knife, like healings, miracles, prophetic words, people just going for it. And so I want us to just kind of take three more minutes and stir up what's already been happening in this place. Jordan said it, you maybe carried something in today. And I feel like if we take one more push, we can break through. If we take one more effort as a congregation, we can press in and, and so would you come on right now, just stir your hearts right now. Come on, save your, yep. Come on, of our 24-7 prayer friends that stayed over. Can we welcome them? Can we give it up, New Life Friday Night family? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for staying. A couple quick announcements. If you're new, we've got Guest Central in the back of the room. We'd love to meet you after the service and give you a gift. So if that's you, stop by. The second announcement we've been saying for a couple weeks, we've got a men's retreat next Friday night and next Saturday, just up the hill about an hour away in Divide, so you can get signed up at the table in the back. Registration closes on Sunday. You can get signed up online as well. And finally, Abby, would you come, Abby Burley? Abby is one of our worship leaders here, and this week we've got something really big going on, and I wanted Abby to tell you about it. Take it away, Abby. Okay, on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, October 4th, 
6.30 p.m., there will be a live worship recording happening in the main auditorium, the living room. Yeah. yeah, it's exciting. But let me tell you why it's exciting, or one of the reasons why it's exciting. For over 20 years, church, uh, churches around the world have been singing songs that have come out of this church. Yeah. And that's not a yay us, that's a wow, look what the Lord has done. Yeah. That there is a unique anointing on this house yeah. to write songs and release them to the church, mm-hmm. to breathe life mm-hmm. to the church and the people of God. Mm-hmm. It's such a gift. So I wanna invite you to step into what the Lord is doing here and what the Lord's been doing here for a long time mm-hmm. um, and come to this recording. Mm-hmm. And if you can't come, and if you can come, we just also ask, would you pray for us? Yeah. Would you pray for this house? Would you pray for this family? That as the Lord continues to speak songs, Mm -hmm. that the Holy Spirit would breathe on it and that it would go from this place and be life to a dying world. Would you pray for that? Yes. Let's do it right now. Lord, Kyle and Lauren, come here. Kyle and Lauren, just cut the piano. Forget it. We don't need the piano. Come here. Get up here. (laughs) We need you. Stretch out your hands. Lord, hear our cry. Yes, God. This is not for our glory. Who cares? This is so that people in prisons will have songs to sing. So that people in the developing world will have songs to sing. Carry them forward. The song we just sang, We Will Overcome, that song's carried us for 16, 17 years. And so, Lord, we ask for more of those. We ask for anthems that'll teach the, 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 the people of God the language of faith. We pray that children around the world would sing these songs. We pray that the elderly would be encouraged and strengthened into their rest by these songs. We pray for this team, that you'd anoint them with the power of your spirit, that you'd give them good rest and good strength this week, that they would be strong in body and mind and spirit. And so, Lord, this week we pray, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Roger, do you have a word? Okay, this is Roger Ellis from England, a man of God that I love and trust. I've been in his home in England. What do you have, Roger? Uh, Abby, before you got up, uh, I saw uh, the angels of the Lord ascending and descending upon (laughs) you. And I saw at the same time you ascending into the presence of the Lord (laughs) and bringing that presence of the Lord down into the everyday. And I thought that was for you, and I think it is. I think this is going to be a season where you're going to encounter the supernatural in a way that you haven't seen before yeah. with dreams and visions. Yeah. And it might feel a little strange. It may not. It may be very familiar. Uh, but I think God is going to increase the dynamic of his presence uh, upon you and in you and through you. Uh, but then you came up here and you talked about this worship thing. And I think that's probably a word for you as a team as well. Yeah. That, that, you know, as you sung that song about creation and the glory, I just saw God exalted to such a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was powerful, mm-hmm. something that was coming from the heart of you as a band and mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. So this recording, I think, there's something that's going to be on this yeah. recording. And, and I believe on that night, you're going to see the presence of God. It's going to be, you're, you know, you see the angels ascending, descending, and a sense of the presence and spirit of the Lord upon you. And, and that's going to bring a dynamic to the church yeah. uh, in terms of a new dynamic, in terms of the encounter of the power of God breaking in. Yeah. So. Can we say amen, church? We agree. Roger, we love you, man. Would you take two minutes and cross the aisle and hug a neck and shake a hand? I'll come open the Bible in two minutes, but be nice to each other. One, two, three, go.
All right, grab your seats. We are thrilled you're here. I, I'm, again, what happened in this room this week, if you weren't here, I just, I, it's hard to describe, uh, but the, the Spirit of the Lord has been here, and I, I'm praying we just get swept up into the stream of what's already been going on. Uh, we've got some really special friends here in the room tonight who have stayed around. We've got the McDermott's from South Carolina, Day Spring Church, leading us this week in prayer. We've got Scott Longyear, pastor from Terre Haute, Indiana. We've got Roger and Chloe Ellis and, and AD and uh, international director of 24-7 prayer stayed around. My, my brother. Anyway, can we just welcome our team one more time? We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Uh, we are in week nine of a series going through the book of First Kings. If you have your Bibles, you can turn First uh, Kings. And if you don't, it'll be on the screen. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the first 10 verses of chapter 13. First Kings chapter 13. And then I'll pray and we'll jump in. It is one of the stranger stories in all of the Bible. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help us tonight. I'll also ask you, as we pray, that you would just pray for me tonight. I don't, I don't like do that up here. Like I don't try to use the congregation to meet my needs. And oh, let me just tell you, it's been, it's been a heck of a week. And so I'm just asking if you would pray that the preacher would be anointed with the Spirit tonight to take these words and I'd get out of the way in the Lord. Amen? Okay, so 1 Kings 13, verses 1 through 10. By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah down in the south to Bethel or Bethel up in the north as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. We talked about Jeroboam last week. He was standing by the altar, a perverse altar, an altar that he uh, created to to create shortcuts for the people of God. Jeroboam's there. And a man of God shows up from the south, comes up to the north. By the word of the Lord, he cried out, the man of God, we don't know his name, he cried out against the altar. Altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you, he will sacrifice on the altar. He will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here and human bones will be burned on you. What a great day in church. (laughs) Thanks for nothing, right? That same day, the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign that the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart. The dirty, perverse altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. When King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, seize him. But the hand he stretched out toward the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. Also, the altar was split apart and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God by the word of the Lord. Then the king said to the man of God, intercede with the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored. So the man of God interceded with the Lord and the king's hand was restored and became as it was before. A great day in church. The king said to the man of God, come home with me for a meal and I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half of your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread. Say eat bread or drink water. Say drink water. 
For I was commanded, for I was commanded, for I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and he did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, dang. Let's pray. We need your help, Lord. I need your help. And you have promised not to leave us alone. You have promised not to abandon us. You have promised not to make the preaching of the word about our performance. You have promised that your word will not return void. But it will accomplish everything you sent it to accomplish. You said through Isaiah, like the rain and the snow that fall down from the heaven and water the earth so that it may give seed to the sower and bread to those who eat. So will my word perform what it was sent to accomplish. So Lord, we just say we are taking you up on that tonight. We trust you, Lord. We don't have enough. We are not enough. We, we can't, if we're here to be tricky or cute or if we're here for entertainment, we've wasted our time. We're here to hear from God. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. You have permission, Lord to say whatever you want to say. You, Lord, get to step on our toes in whatever ways you want to. You get to correct us and rebuke us and instruct us. You get to encourage us. You get to challenge us. What we're asking is that we would go to our cars having been made a holy people all over again tonight. So we say, Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Jeroboam, last week we talked about Rehoboam and Jeroboam and Jeroboam had created these two altars. The nation goes into civil war and splits and he's the leader of the north, Jeroboam. Rehoboam is with the two tribes in the south and, and he's insecure and he's a, uh, a tyrannical leader but Jeroboam is trying to create shortcuts for the people of God. He wanted to shorten the distance they had to travel to worship. He was afraid that if they left the north and went to the south to Jerusalem where the temple was, that they would go back to allegiance with the house of David and Rehoboam, his chief rival. So what does he do? He sets up two golden calves, one up in the north and one in the south. And he says, look, you don't have to go down to Jerusalem. You don't have to worship Yahweh in the way that he prescribed. Let me give you an easier path to Yahweh's presence. And I said to you last week, beware of any priests who give you shortcuts into the presence of God. Beware of any priests who try to make it easier for you. Beware of any priests who want to give you God at a discount. <laughs> he wanted to sell them a knockoff version at half the cost, and he wanted to cater to their desires and wants, and by making it easier on them, he thought he would win their allegiance. But this man of God, that we don't know his name, this man of God was stirred by Yahweh to go up there to that altar and say, oh altar, oh altar, you're coming down. <laughs> it costs what it costs to follow Yahweh. Bethel, where he goes this day, is right next to Jerusalem, the second most holy site in Judaism. This is where Jacob had his dream. Abraham, Isaac, 
Jacob. Jacob becomes Joseph. In Genesis 28, Jacob is out in the wilderness and he is bewildered and he lays his head on a rock and God comes to him that night and has this dream and, he, and you know the story. Surely God is in this place and I didn't even know it. And, and he names that place Bethel, the house of God. A gateway to the heavens. Like this is where it happens. And this in Bethel is where Jeroboam had set up these perverse altars. And the man of God shows up to tear it down. He's an anonymous man of God. It says, by the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. And I'll just say, praise God that someone's content to be anonymous. He doesn't need to be praised. He doesn't need to be known. God, give us some saints who are willing to go unnamed in the kingdom of God. He's just a man of God. And he goes up there to do the work, not to be praised, not to, he, because God called him. And he just steps into the vocation that was given to him. And the man of God's message was twofold. I want you to see, he said two things. First, he prophesies that Josiah will arise. David's going to have someone come from his line and his name's going to be Josiah. And do you know how long it would take for this to happen? 300 years. <laughs> Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Sometimes it just takes what it takes. It takes as long as it takes. God does not seem to be in a hurry and I hate it most of the time. But he says, there's someone is coming. So I, I feel it in my bones. I know it by the spirit of the Lord. God will not leave his people abandoned. There's gonna be someone, and he gives them a name. Josiah, Josiah's coming. And Josiah's gonna re revolutionize this nation. And Josiah's gonna snap this people to at attention. And Josiah's gonna bring a people back to pure worship of Yahweh. 300 years later, Josiah arose. And we'll get to Josiah here in another few weeks. It took them 300 years. We'll get Get there in a few weeks. <laughs> Call the people back to Torah, to rediscover God's word, to fall back in love. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I love this word so much that we wouldn't even dream of creating these perverse altars to shorten the distance to worship. No, it costs what it costs. This is what the prophet says, Josiah is coming. But he also prophesies that Jeroboam's altars would be destroyed. He says to him in front of the people, the king, the one who's in charge at the temple of God where he's done his work. And he says, your altars are going to be destroyed. Your church is coming down. This kind of worship will not be honored by Yahweh. It gets exposed. The truth will come out. He just says like God is going to get a pure people back. He prophesies. The cost of worship will not be reduced. God will not be mocked. God will not share his glory with another. God is the groom that will not share his bride with another. God is jealous for his people's full attention. There will be no shortcuts. God tells the man of God to go in and do your job and get out of there. Just say what I tell you to say. Don't negotiate. Don't soften it up. Don't be cute. Don't shake hands and kiss babies. Do your job and get out of there. Tell the truth, he says. And Jeroboam, this insecure king, his response is twofold. The, the, the prophecy is twofold. 
Josiah's coming and that altar's coming down. But Jeroboam, the king, his, his response is twofold. First, he tries to arrest the man of God. When King Jeroboam heard that the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he, he stretched out his hand. He tried to stop him, to seize him, but the hand that he stretched out toward the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. He was frozen by God. God rebukes him there publicly. Also, the altar was split apart. You see what happens. He, he, he tries to arrest him. And I'll just say, when power is perverted, it tries to silence all dissent. When you aren't right with God, something deep in your soul knows it. And then when someone comes to tell you, you need to tighten up and you need to repent and you need to humble yourself, you, you lash out. You try to shut it down because you're afraid that you're going to get exposed. True holy power is very open to feedback, to conversation. To, to, oh, hey, how can I do this better? Anything you see in me that needs to be, oh, thank you so much, and repentance, and holiness, and humility, and conversation. But when you're Jeroboam, and when you know deep in your soul that what, you are, what you've built your kingdom on is perverse worship, you have to try to silence all dissent. He reaches out his hand, and God freezes him. He shrivels up his hand. The second thing he tries to do after this, after the prophet is compassionate and restores his hand, he said, pray for me, he's anxious, pray for me. And the prophet does and he gets his, his faculties back. The second thing he tries to do, if I can't arrest him, let me try to wine and dine him. Take him out to mahogany, you know, take him out to the steakhouse and buy the nicest bottle and let's, oh, you know what, just that whole thing that happened a couple hours ago, just kidding, just kidding, you know. I just try to throw you in prison. It's fine. Let's eat, you know. Do <laughs> you see this back and forth, Jekyll and Hyde kind of perverse leadership? He tries to whine and dine him. And the king said to the man of God, come home with me for a meal and I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half of your possessions, I would not go with you. Nor would I eat bread or drink water. Why? For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread, you must not eat bread, you must not eat bread or drink water, or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. I'll just say, going from arrest to hospitality in five minutes, talk about trust issues. A false prophet, I heard a seminary professor once tell me, and I'll never forget this, he said, a false prophet is keenly aware of who signs the front of his check. Think about that. And he was trying to tell us, he said, you're going to go out into ministry opportunities. You're going to go out into situations that you'll find yourself in. And someone's going to try to buy you. Someone's going to try to say, you know, why don't you back off on that, pastor? That's not that really that big of a deal. And I'd love to support what's going on. Like, Beware of people who can be bought. <laughs> and this prophet, so far here in the beginning of the story, he can't be bought. The king says, I'll give you uh, whatever you want, wine and dine you. And he said, even if you gave me half of your possessions, I can't be bought. No, God told me to do my job and to get out of here and don't stop and don't eat and don't converse. Just do the job. But then... I want us to think back to maybe an early story in the scriptures where God said, you know, 
have a blast in the garden, but stay away from that tree. Stay away from that meal. Stay away from the seduction of the snake slithering up to you saying, you know, you you can have a shortcut into the presence of God. God didn't really mean that. Did God really say? This story is echoes of Genesis chapter 3 where God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so far, this prophet is doing well. He said, God said, don't eat and don't drink and get out of there. Do your job and stay clean and get moving. But then in one of the stranger episodes in the Old Testament, this story takes a dark, dark turn. This young prophet is from the south, Judah, where the temple is, and he comes to the north, Israel, where there's another anonymous prophet. And I want to read to you, it's, it's, it's 14 verses that I'm going to read to you, and I'm going to ask you to just kind of let your imagination go into this moment. Here's verse 11. Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel, whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. So there's a young man of God that's anonymous, and there's an old man of God that's anonymous, and his boys say, hey, another prophet came to town. They also told their father what he had said to the king. Their father asked them, which way did he go? And his son showed him which road that the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. You hear the pace picking up. The metronome's going really fast. He's on the move. Which way did he go? Saddle the donkey. And when they had saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it and he rode after the man of God. He found him sitting under an oak tree and asked, are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I have been told by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. Like Adam and Eve in the first pass, he's holding his ground. God said, don't do this. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet. Beware of someone leveraging their authority to try to get you to do something against the word of God. I I too am a prophet as you are. He's flexing and I'm older than you so you should obey me. Obey your elders, young man. And the angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house. So God said to the young man, Here's what the rules are. But this prophet tries to say, well, an angel said to me, well, let's go with God. With all your voodoo, leave your voodoo over there. That's fine. God told me, you can talk to your angels all you want. I've never had a conversation with an angel, right? Uh, Bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread. An angel said you were hungry and you needed to come eat. But he was lying to him. There's a a north-south dynamic here. The man from the south is where the holy temple was and this guy from the north is trying to trip up a fellow prophet. Shame on this guy. So the man of God returned with him. He he, he returned with him and he ate and he drank in his house. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. He cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah, this is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. You came back and you ate bread and you drank water in this place where, you told, where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. When the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him. As he went on his way, a lion met him on the road. I, do you see 
A lion met him on the road and killed him and his body was left lying on the road with both the donkey and the lion standing beside it. Some people who passed by saw the body lying there with the lion standing beside the body and they went and reported in the city where the old prophet lived. Dark, confusing. What in the world is going on here? And I just want to say right here, do not underestimate the complexity of sticking to the mission over the long haul. He started great. Nope. The word of the Lord came to me. You must not eat. You must not drink. Go back by a different road. I I did my job. I said my thing. And it was true. He started off really, really well. Like King Solomon. Chapter three, dream, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. God, give me a wisdom. I'm, I'm, I'm a little child and I can't lead these people. I need you to give me a wise and an understanding heart so that I might fear your name and lead these people. God, I need your help. Chapter 11, he's got a thousand women that he's in bed with at various times of his life and he's worse than Pharaoh by the end of Solomon's story. It's really easy to start well. Do not underestimate the complexity of finishing well over the long haul. The prophet started off right. He he started well, but he fell apart at the end, just like Solomon. And I want to ask tonight, what does it look like to finish well? What does it look like to finish well? I'm going to say two very, this is going to be as simple as, a message as I can give you, but I think deeply profound. It's not that we struggle with knowing what to do, it's just we don't do it. What does it look like to finish well? I wanna say two things to you, tease out a couple different ideas, and then just pray that God would give us the anointing of his spirit to stand firm in what he actually called us to do. The first thing, what does it look like to finish well? You gotta figure out how to cultivate a vibrant life with God. Cultivate a vibrant life with God. This week, we were in this room. Uh, the first thing I, I think we need to do to finish well is we, we need to live a life of prayer. This week, we were in this room with people who have devoted their lives to prayer. And it takes a thousand different expressions with a thousand different people. But you know what I felt in this room this week? I felt a, a childlike holiness in this room this week. People who were coming in here, many of them dancing and, and singing at the top of their lungs, some of them falling on their faces, some of them walking around the perimeter of the room, some of them very silently sitting in their seats just taking in the holiness of God. Others prophetically standing up like Roger did and giving us a word from the Lord, angels ascending and descending. What I felt was people who had steeped themselves in a life of prayer and you feel the accruing holiness of someone who spends their life in the presence of God. And I'll just say, if you're gonna Live a life and finish well over the long haul. You will not do it unless you become a person of deep prayer. You don't have to have a certain personality. I don't need you to be loud and, in the name of God, I will call down the territorial spirits and the Some of you don't even know what that is. That's great. Um, what I'm talking about is, Jesus Christ, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. Oh, the temptation's coming my way and the snake is slithering up to me just like he did our ancestors in the garden, just like he did with that young anonymous man of God who started well. And I don't want to just start well, I want to end well, God. 
I want to fight the good fight. I want to run the race. I want to keep the faith. I want to see you face to face one day and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master, Jesus. I need you. I cannot live the life you've called me to live without your help. So fill me with your spirit today so that I can be a man or a woman of God. Amen. And then you get up and you go out and you do your work and then you get the heck out of there and you come home. Go to bed, repent of what you need to repent of, thank God for what you can thank God for, and get up, rinse and repeat, and show up at 85 and tell me if you hate your life. Live a life of prayer. If you live a life of prayer, you'll be cultivating a rich life with God, and you will, sure, you'll have moments where you turn to the right or moments where you turn to the left. We'll all have bumps, and there's difficulties all along the way, but you will show up at the end, and you will make it if you live a life of prayer. It's not that hard. You just got to do it. Pray, 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 pray every single day. Second thing, scripture. Scripture. I had friends staying with us this weekend. Roger and Chloe from England are staying with us this weekend. Friends for the conference. And it was Guile, one of my lifelong best friends. And my mother-in-law was here this week. And Lisa. And it was Wednesday morning and the kids were running around and we were all sitting there kind of having our coffee before we jumped into our day and Lisa got to get up from the chair and I said, hey, sit. And she sat back down and I opened up Psalm 136. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. And all, all four of us were sitting there. A couple of us got tears running down our face. Why? Because the word of God is powerful and alive and is sharper than a double-edged sword. And the word of God will chasten you and correct you and keep you on the track. The enemy has words for us. God has words for us. Read his word and let his word read you and make you holy. Friends, if you're going to cultivate a rich life with God, you've got to pray. You've got to open the scriptures. You've got to worship. One of the things that I love about New Life Church, there's a lot of things we need to get better at, but we know how to worship. And we take it seriously. And we come in here ready to do business with God. And we come in here and we open our hands and we go for it and we sing as if it matters. One of the greatest Catholic theologians uh, in, the, in the world was here this week teaching at our conference. And we did a podcast with him. And I said, Dr. Bowerschmidt, what did you, what did you see? Because he came into this room and he's like, whoa. Because we're Pentecostal, charismatic, word of faith, go for it. And, you know, he's used to a very nice, polite, precious Catholic mass. And and I said, what did you see this week? He said, you all worship as if you really believe that it's going to change the world. And he said, I admire that about you, and we need to get that back. Friends, worship, 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 worship. When you're stuck, Jordan, you heard when Jordan came up here at the offering and she read that psalm, I will offer my sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. And something broke in the room. Something broke in me because I've had a difficult week and I've been busy and I haven't had the regular routine that I wanted. But I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll offer a sacrifice of worship. We came up here and we gave thanksgiving and something cracks open in your soul. If you want to cultivate a rich life Uh, of history with God and make it over the long haul. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to read scripture. You're going to have to worship. And you're just going to have to obey. I wish I could just make it more complex than that. I grew up in a home where our, our parents expected us to do what they told us. I don't know, that sounds old fashioned now, right? 
Let's just medicate them with the screen. And oh, it's fine, it's fine. No. You want me to take this belt off, boy? Right. Not that I ever heard that. I, I didn't ever hear that. But you know what? We got some crap done, you know? And, and we obeyed, right? Friends, you can try all you want to disobey God and have a beautiful life. Let me know how that works out for you. It won't work. God never asks us to do something that won't be for our good. We think God is mad and he's trying to make life difficult. No, he's trying to make us happy. He's trying to keep us in his shalom. He's trying to keep us in his wholeness. He's trying to keep us in his blessing. What he needs is cooperation from his people who say, if you said it, I'll do it. And, and I don't even know why, but I just trust that if I keep obeying God, I'll show up at the end as an 85-year-old vibrant, the young prophet, the anonymous man of God, started. But he stopped obeying somewhere along the way. And this story of the lion and all that, all it's meant to say is when we walk away from obedience to God, there is devastation. There is destruction. We're uncovered. We're exposed. We're left under our own care. And we are not strong enough to care for ourselves. And Yahweh God wants to take care of his people. If you want to finish well over the long haul, you have to cultivate a vibrant life with God. Scripture, prayer, worship, obedience. If we do these things, you will get to the end. You'll have some scars, but you'll have joy. And you'll hear, well done, good and faithful. The second thing that I want you to see is if we're going to finish well, we need to cultivate a rich life of relationships. Cultivate a rich life of relationships. Guile, my friend who was here this week, he stood in my wedding with Lisa 18 years ago. I met Guile when I was 12. So I've known Guile for 28 years. And he's 51 and I'm 40. And this guy, I, I would do anything for Guile Smith. And Guile Smith would do anything for me. And he's a guy I can trust with my life. If I died unexpectedly, Guile would make sure that my family was taken care of. He would, he would sort out the, the estate, he would, whatever. Just Lisa and the kids, you're okay. You're going to be okay. Why? Because Daniel's dead, but Guile's alive. And Guile will not let Lisa and three children suffer. Why? Because Guile is a man of God and Guile loves me. Friends, if you want to make it to the end, you cannot be alone. You have to travel with the saints. This is what the people of God did. They would go up to Jerusalem in caravans. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my... They're coming down from the the hinterlands, the the agrarian fields outside of Jerusalem. And everyone was going up. This is where... What do they say? This is where the tribes go up. If you're going to worship God, you have to worship God in a tribe. Don't be tribalistic, but you've got to have a tribe. You've got to have friends. You've got to have people who will, who will check up on you. Hey, I haven't seen you. Where are you at? Why are you hiding? What's wrong with you? I'm looking you in the eyes. You're saying one thing, but I'm calling a bluff because I know you to your soul. Something is not right. If we don't have friends like that, the enemy is going to pick us off one by one all along the way. It's interesting to me that this young anonymous man of God was by himself. Pay attention to the details of the story. He's sitting under a tree by himself. Wait, you should be moving. Get out of there. 
God told you? Why, did you want to be negotiated with? Why did you stop? He's sitting under a tree by himself and some guy comes and deceives him and his life is ruined. You have to have a tribe if you're going to make it, cultivate a rich life of friendships. People think that pastors want people to come to church because it's job security. I don't give a darn. If this thing closes up, I'll go find how to pay my bills some. I'm calling you to worship because I know that we can't make it to the end if we don't have each other. I'm calling you to worship because I know there's some poor people in our congregation who need your strength. And so don't take your strength and go sit at home by yourself and just worship Jesus in private. Why? Because you're depriving the poor of your strength. Come to worship and worship God with what you have. Some of you are lonely. Loneliness in the kingdom of God. And I'm gonna say this as delicately as I can, okay? I'm not being, I'm not being rough here. Please hear me. But long-term loneliness in the kingdom of God is a self-inflicted wound. Every single week I show up to this building, not just because I'm the pastor. Because I want to see, I want to see my people. I want my people to lay hands on my children. Say, how you doing, Lil? How you doing, Dub? How you doing, Wakes? And they got 30 extended aunties and uncles. That's probably an underestimate. They probably got 50 people, aunties and uncles in the faith that they would go, if something went down, they would take care of me. We do a a, a pre-service dinner for our leadership team every week. People who serve, we've got ushers, we've got children's workers, we've got the worship team, we've got all kinds of people, AV Tech, who help us make this church go. We need volunteer help. We've got the life safety team. We all these folks who are serving every week and we feed them a meal pre-service and we have 150 to 200 people that come and have a meal with us every single week. And if you come to church regularly, like let me ask you, what other group of people on the planet do you have a meal with 40 times a year? But we as leaders do 50 meals a year. And if people just show up regularly, you know, you walk into that room and you can feel the love of God palpably. Why? Because we have routines of gathering and worshiping and enjoying each other and talking and praying. I'm saying to you and to me tonight, if we're going to not just start well, but walk the long road of discipleship, a long obedience in the same direction and get to 85 with a decent sense of wholeness and strength, we will do it in the company of other saints going after Yahweh together. You will get picked off if you live alone. So let's cultivate a rich life of relationships. Can you say amen tonight, church? I was looking during worship, thinking about finishing well. And I looked at Don and Shirley over here. And every Friday night, Don's 91, Shirley's 46, right? Yeah, okay, very good. 12 kids, saints, and every week they're here, right there, second row, sit, worshiping, they come in together, they go and they get maybe in and out burger on the way and then get some ice cream, and then afterwards they maybe they'll just, just go slow, and it's a date night for them, right? 91 and 86, you gotta keep the flame burning, baby, right? <laughs> and every week... And then I look, Jim and Janine Hardy, who are over here. We got the McCalebs right here. Between these three couples, we have 160 years of marriage. Three couples. And, yeah. 
And every single week, you know what happens when they come in? I'm comforted. They've asked me to do their funerals. I'm going to be sad when you're not here. You'll be happy. (laughs) But I'm going to be sad. Every week I see you. I'm comforted. But you know what else happens? Every week I see you, I'm provoked. Do the work, Daniel. Be faithful, Daniel. Put one foot in front of the other, Daniel. Keep showing up, Daniel. You know how you stack a beautiful life over 60, 70, 80, 90 years? You just do it all over again. You get up and you open the scriptures and you pray and you worship and you obey God and you live a life among the people of God and you keep giving and you keep serving, you keep blessing people and you just show, and it accrues to a life of faithfulness that a whole congregation can be comforted by and provoked by. It's It's easy to start. We see it in our text tonight, but this guy fell apart along the way. And I'm here to announce to you tonight, the devil has come to steal and to kill and to destroy you. But Jesus says it doesn't have to be that way. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And if you love me, keep my commandments. And if you do, you will be happy. I promise you, you will be happy. And I'm the bread of life. And anyone who worships me will never go hungry. And I'm the water that never runs dry. And if you love me, says Jesus, you'll never go thirsty again. And I'm the gate. And if you come into this pasture, you're safe and you're closed up safe. And I am the good shepherd and I've got a rod and a staff and I'll run that. I had to check my language there. Run that devil off. Friends, friends, let's finish well. Jesus, by the power of his spirit, has enabled us to finish well. Jesus went through the same thing that this young prophet went through. The devil took him out into the wilderness and said, you know, God didn't really mean that you couldn't eat and drink. God, oh, he's a hard master. Just cut a corner, take a shortcut, it's fine. He was reliving the Genesis 3 story. He was reliving the young anonymous prophet story. And Jesus is the one who had the carrot dangled and he said, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. Get thee behind, no, no. It. And Jesus, by the power of his spirit, enables us to walk the long road of discipleship, not just to start well, but to finish well. Friends, we can finish well. Let's cultivate a rich life with God and a rich life with each other and talk to me in 20 years and tell me if you hate it. Let's stand and pray. Can you open your hands tonight? as a way of opening yourself up to God, opening yourself up to his word, opening yourself up to his correction, opening yourself up to his encouragement. I need you to hear that God wants us well. God is not against us. God has only ever been for us. 
God is not a hard master. He's a good father. God is not a tyrant. He's a comforter. God is not trying to run us off. He's trying to gather us home. So come home tonight. Come home tonight. Come home tonight. Some of you, you, you have felt the foolishness you've been walking in. I want you to know tonight, God will not embarrass you. God is not here to punk you. God is not here to drive you away. He, he's so happy tonight about you. He's happy about your future. He's happy about your name. He's happy about your identity. He's happy about the gifts that he gave you. God is not against you. So we rebuke the devil tonight who wants to shame and embarrass you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Come on home tonight, church. Some of you are anxious and afraid and worried about finishing well. And I rebuke fear tonight in Jesus' name. That would be the devil who would try to control you by fear. God does not want to scare us into a good life. He wants to woo us and lead us. So I rebuke fear tonight. If, if you're carrying fear, can you put your hand on your heart tonight and just say, I lay it down, I let it go. Lord, I rebuke fear in your name. And you said whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So I bind fear and I, I wrap it up and cast it out. And you said whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I loose comfort and I loose peace and I loose courage and I loose adoption here tonight. Welcome home, children of God. Welcome home, children of God. If one of my kids was away, If one of my kids was away and then all of a sudden they showed up, you know what I would do? I would lose my mind in joy. I'd kill the fattened calf. I'd spare no expense. We'd party. And so for those of you who are coming home tonight, I say come home to the party that you deserve. I want to invite our communion servers to come down. And we're going to practice this party tonight. We're going to relive and retread this story tonight. We're going to walk it out. Imagine yourself as the prodigal in the distant land. And as we come through this room, the prodigal son leaves the pigsty. He takes the first step. He thinks he's going home to practice his apology and I'll just make me a hired hand. I don't deserve. And you know what the dad sees from a long way off? The son, the daughter coming home and he bolts out. Friends, you're going to take that first step. Maybe the first step is a step of shame. But by step two, you're going to feel the father's footsteps chasing you down to welcome you home. So as you come through this line tonight, I want you to come home and receive the love of the Father. Take your communion elements back to where you're seated. And in just a minute, I'll come back up and we'll receive together.
Would you open your communion elements and be ready to receive? It all went wrong in Genesis 3 when they ate. It went wrong in 1 Kings 13 when the anonymous man of God ate and drank. (laughs) But tonight it all goes right. With Jesus it goes right. With Jesus it's safe. Jesus is not here to be slick, to wine and dine us, to try to manipulate us. Jesus is, Jesus is not stretching out his hand to seize us. He's stretching out his hand to feed us, to heal us, to restore us, to renew us, to bless us, to love us, to make us children of his father again. Jesus is here to take the prodigal back in, kill the fattened calf. By the way, Jesus was the one that was sacrificed so all of us could eat. He was the greater sacrifice than the fattened calf. So friends tonight, however you're coming to this table, come and receive the gift of the broken body and the shed blood of the Son of God who is going to get us home. We we were talking about finishing well. How do we finish well? What's the strategy? Stay with Jesus. If you stay with Jesus, you'll be right where you need to be at the Father's table for all of eternity. And so, Jesus, we receive you tonight. We're here under the name of Jesus. We're here to worship Jesus. We're here to come home to Jesus. We're here to stay close to Jesus. And Jesus, on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it. And you said, this is my body which is broken for you. And every time you do this, he says, do this for the remembrance of me. Friends, eat to your own healing tonight. On the same night, he took the cup of wine. And he said, this cup is the new covenant and it's given in my blood. My blood. Translation, it's going to cost me everything. I'll put everything on the line. I will hold nothing back for you to be well. The cup of the new covenant is going to require a death. It's going to require a sacrifice, and I will be the sacrifice. This is why we stand under a cross every single week when we worship. This cup is given in my blood, and it's given for the remission of all of your sins. All of yours. Think about the stupidest thing you have ever done or thought in your life. Jesus goes, oh, that's no big deal for me. Think about the most foolish decision or season of your life where you threw it all, all away and you raised a middle finger to heaven. He goes, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood, given for the remission of all of that. And he said, and as often as you come to the communion table, you remember that. God is for us tonight. Let's drink to our forgiveness, friends. The ground began to shake. The storm was rolled away. Come on, let's
I want to invite Kristen Massey to the stage. Kristen, would you come here wherever you are? Kristen Massey has been, the Masseys have been at New Life for 29 going on 30 years. And they are like one of the great tribes of New Life Church. And Kristen is a dear woman of God as a missionary in Mombasa, Kenya. Mombasa, say it again, Mombasa. You know, say it again, ooh. And she loves and serves and honors the poor. She is inviting people to trust in Jesus in a predominantly Muslim community. Come on up, friends. Yep. Friends who want to pray for Kristen. And she is everything I would want my daughter to be. Saying yes to Jesus with all of her life. So pray for her, church. She leaves this week to go back to Kenya. Would you stretch your hands out? We're going to send her in the blessing of God. Oh, how beautiful on the mountaintops are the feet of them who bring good news to the poor, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So Lord, we pray, protect our sister. Love our sister. Provide for our sister. Make Kristen fruitful. Populate heaven. Empty hell through her life. We pray that you would send her out in the power and the authority of the spirit of the living God. That everywhere she goes, people would go, what is that? What is that authority? What is that thing that she has on her life? What is that love that we see in her eyes? What is that compassion for people who can never repay her? Why would anyone suspend and give up their life to serve people who can never repay them? Because that's what Jesus does. And she has been filled with the spirit of Jesus. So we send her with the blessing of God, with the blessing of this congregation. We pray, Lord, bless her and keep her. Make her fruitful. Provide for her. I pray you give her joy. I pray that you give her friends. I pray that you would give her strength in her body, soundness in her mind, peace in her heart, sweet sleep at night. Love your daughter as she goes to love your people in Mombasa, Kenya. So Lord, we send her out with our blessing tonight. Now church, would you open up your hands to receive this blessing? All of us together, I pray. May the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you shalom, peace tonight. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can you give it up for Kristen Massey? Church, thank you. Thank you for coming tonight. The prayer team will be down here. We would love to pray with any of you if you have prayer needs. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Men's retreat sign up, guest central. We'll see you soon. Have a great weekend.